You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to another episode of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, Now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. Why don't you say that? I triumph in Christ. If you're a believer today, I, I have good news for you. You're winning. may not seem like you're winning, but the Bible says that we always triumph in Christ. Thank you for joining me today. I believe it's going to be exciting. I want you to tag a friend and let them know that we're live. And at the end of the teaching, I want you to send me or doing the teaching. I got my laptop here. I want you to send me your questions, your comments. And I believe that uh, we'll fill in the gaps on what I'm going to teach you today. Uh, you can also get the audio on Apple uh, Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. But it is going to be a blast today. I promise you, you're going to go to another level. I'm going to begin a new series today. I I finished in our last session a three-lesson series entitled Climbing Down the Ladder uh, to Greatness, and that series was on humility. I'm going to begin another short series, just three lessons, entitled Down for the Count. Down for the Count. And the theme of this series is going to be on pride. Now, this series could very well be part two to our last series or the second uh, division of our last series. You can't talk about humility without talking about pride. And you can't talk about pride without talking about humility. So I'm very excited about this series. I've uh, entitled it Down for the Count. And the, uh, the phrase Down for the Count is a metaphorical reference to the sport of boxing. This is a, a boxing phrase. When a boxer gets get knocked down by a punch, and is unable to get up before the referee count to 10, that boxer is down for the count. In other words, the boxer got knocked down, and, it, and sometimes when you get knocked down, you're a little woozy, you're a little dazed, and the referee is counting one, two, three, four, and, and if that boxer cannot get up, before the count of 10, that boxer lose the fight. That boxer was knocked out. Down for the count is a phrase used in boxing. But pride is, uh, uh, is a deadly blow. It will knock you down, knock you out, and keep you from getting back up. And so we want to talk about that, and I want you as I talk about this, this issue of pride, I want you to be thinking about you and your situation and your circumstances across the board, spirit, soul, body, socially, financially. I believe that this is going to be a very important series. Now, listen at this. 
I mentioned this in our last series, a prophetic word that the Lord gave me. The Lord said this to me a few years ago. He said that the next move of God will be in the area of character. The next move of God will be in the area of character. So these lessons that I'm teaching on humility and this lesson on pride, we're, we're preparing you. I'm preparing myself. We're preparing you for the next move of God. We've got to get the pride out because pride will knock us out and keep us out of the game of life. We won't be involved in the next move if we get into this, allow pride to dominate our lives. Now, in every series, I always like to define our terms. When we use a, 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 a term like humility, we want to find out what it what is it. When we use the term pride, let's get on the same page. So lesson one, this entire lesson, we're going to be dealing with what is pride. I want you to I want you to be thinking and, and listen to this statement. More people including Christians, struggle with pride more than anything else. I'm going to make this statement again. More people, including Christians, that's why I'm teaching it, including Christians, struggle with pride more than anything else. And I have to acknowledge I had, I've had to deal with pride in my own life. I've had to deal with pride in my, my pride in my own marriage. I had, I've had to deal with my pride in my own ministry. And, and, and listen, this, this series, this lesson on pride is something that you want to keep close to you. It's not something that you overcome it and win and you don't have to deal with it anymore is something that you have to constantly monitor yourself, always evaluating yourself because you don't want to slip into this area. And we're going to see why Satan wants you to get in pride. He wants me to get in pride. Now, I want to, each one of these lessons, it's going to be three lessons. I want to, to have a character that we kind of start off with. And I want to look at a king of Judah, a Jewish king named Uzziah. Uzziah, U-Z-Z-I-A-H. Uzziah was a Jewish king. I'm going to read part of a text, 1 Chronicles Chapter 26, verses 5 through 6, verses 15 through 16, verse 21 and 23. Second Chronicles 26, chapter, verses 5 through 6, verses 15 through 16, verses 21 and 23. I'm going to read it out of the NIV, but I want you to go back and I want you to look at this king because this is a very, very uh, informative text. Listen at this. He saw God, referring to Uzziah, he saw God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. 
As long, now listen at these words, as long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. The traditional king says, as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. In the 15th verse, the latter part of the verse, it says, his fame spread far and wide, for he was greatly helped, he was greatly helped until he became powerful. His fame spread far and wide, and he was greatly helped until he became powerful. Other translations says that he, he became powerful or he was marvelous help until he became strong. Now listen at this. But after Uzziah became powerful, after he became strong, his pride led to his downfall. Now I want you to listen at those words. His pride led to his downfall. And you're going to see this word downfall or fallen always connected to pride. His pride led to his downfall. King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. He lived in a separate house, leprous, banned from the temple of the Lord, Uzziah rested with his ancestors, was buried near them in a cemetery that belonged to the kings, or he was buried outside of the royal tombs. And listen, the last statements, the, the, the last thought that people had about Uzziah is he had leprosy. Now, we, we have this king, we have this king, and I'll give you some facts about him. He was one of the longest reigning kings in Judah. He was made king, or his reign started at age 16, and he reigned for 52 years. He was initially, because he was so young, he was submitted to a spiritual guide. He was submitted to a counselor. He was submitted to an advisor named Zechariah. And he enjoyed great prosperity, even though he began as a teenager, even though he was very young. He enjoyed great prosperity, military success. He was a successful builder. He built towers. He built towns. He was a great leader. In fact, his armies were the most uh, advanced, technologically advanced armies in that time. He experienced years of results and success and prosperity. And the Bible says that God favored him and God made what he did do to prosper. Now, here's something that's very interesting. The Bible, I didn't read this particular text, but the Bible says there was a point that he went into the temple to actually burn incense in the temple. In other words, he went into the temple to do a priestly duty. And if you know anything about the old covenant, there was a separation between the king and the priest. But he went into the temple and, and he was going to 
offer the uh, uh, burn incense to the Lord, which was a priestly function, something he should not be done because, but now he's a big man. He's proud, you know, he's successful. So he intruded over there. The leading priest of that day came in to try to get him out. And he got so angry at them. And there's no telling what he was going to do. Probably would have had them killed. And he was struck down with leprosy and he died a leper. The Bible says that he was buried in a cemetery near the tombs of the king. He wasn't even buried with the rest of the kings. And the last thing that people said about him was he was a leper. He had leprosy. Now listen what the scripture says. It says, after he was strong, after he was strong, after he was strong, his pride led to his downfall. That is a sad story, but it is instructive to us, very instructive to us. The Bible says he was strong. Now, when he was young and inexperienced, see, I can identify with what he's saying there. When he was young, and I remember being young in ministry, you don't know anything. You don't have a track record. So you, you're praying all the time. You're listening to people. Hopefully you are listening to people. We'll see another side of the pride to those that experience. But most of the time, when you don't know which way to go, you don't know how to do this, you don't know how to do that, you spend a lot of time praying, a lot of time seeking God. You want people to speak into your life. And that's the way he was. And that's the way I was. Man, I, I, I prayed, man, because I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to do ministry. I had never pastored. I hadn't gone to Bible school. So when you're young and inexperienced, there's a tendency to depend on the Lord. Now, notice what it said. It said that as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. But when he was strong... His pride led to his downfall. Now, we're dealing with this pride thing, and I want to ask a question and answer the question, what does God think about pride? What does he think about pride? Because we want to align ourselves to how he thinks about it. Now, I want you to be evaluating yourself, and then we're going to give you a test toward the end of this lesson. We're going to give you an a a, 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 a open book test. Now, listen at this. What does God think about pride? Because we want to think like God. In Proverbs 6, verse 16 through 17, Proverbs 6, verse 16 through 17, it says, these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. And listen what the first thing that God hates, it says, he hates a proud look. He hates a proud look. So what does God think about pride? Let's look at the second proof text, Proverbs 16, 18. Proverbs Chapter 16, verse 18, it says, pride goes before destruction 
and a haughty spirit before fall. Now listen at that. That's a warning. Pride goes before disruption. Once you get into pride, it'll run its course, but it's going to run right into disruption. Pride goes before disruption and a haughty spirit before a fall. What does God think about pride? Psalms 101, the fifth verse, the latter part of that verse, Psalms 101, the fifth verse says, the one who has a haughty look and a proud heart, him will I not endure. And that word endure means tolerate. Now notice it says, the one who has a haughty look and a proud heart, God says, him I will not endure. God says to the proud person, I will not endure. He said, I won't tolerate a proud person. He said, I won't tolerate it. Now that's heavy. When God says, I will not tolerate it. Now, 1 Peter 5, 5, we're talking about what does God Think about pride. 1 Peter 5, 5 says that God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Now, we talked about this verse in our last uh, series on humility. But let's look at this word resist because it says that God resists the proud. That word resist is a military term used of an army drawn up for battle. It is a military term. God resists. He, God resists the proud. That's a military term used of an army drawn up for battle. That is saying that God sets himself in array against the proud. Now, what's very interesting to me in this text, that it does not say that the devil resists the proud. It says God resists the proud. Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't want God resisting me. Now, that's what the scripture says. You can read it in any translation. It says that God resists the proud. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That's why we had to talk about pride. If God sets himself in array against pride and the proud, then we need to resist it in our lives. We need to Get it out. We need to stand against it. We need to recognize it when it show up in our lives. And we need to resist it because we don't want God resisting us because the Bible said that God resists the proud. Now, I don't know what your theology is, but that's what the Bible says. Then said God, then said the devil, it says God resists the proud. So that leads to another question. Why? I mean, what, why, why does God hate pride? Why does he hate it? The Bible says he hate it. The Bible says he will not tolerate it. Why is it? Well, I mean, what is it about pride? I give you three basic 
reasons why I believe God hates it and will stand up against it. Now, listen at this. I believe God resists the proud and, and he hates pride because it was the first sin. It was the first sin. It was the sin that caused the anointed sheriff, Lucifer, to become Satan. It was, it was, it, Satan wasn't originally Satan. He wasn't originally an enemy of God, an enemy of God's people. The Bible says he was a, he was a, the shiny one, the, the anointed sheriff. Now listen what it says in Isaiah 14, verse 12 through 15. Isaiah 14, verse 12 through 15. How you are fallen. There's that word, fallen, fallen. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? So God is talking to this mighty angel that he created named Lucifer. And according to just the first part of the verse, Lucifer failed. Now listen what he says. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How you are cut down. There's that word. Listen to that word. Cut down. How are you cut down to the ground? You who weaken the nations, for you have said. Now watch this. You have said in your heart. So pride got in his heart. And God cast him out of heaven and slaying him down to the ground. Now watch this. For you have said, God is speaking to him, for you have said in your heart, I will. Now I want you to notice he's going to say I will five different times. He says, I will ascend into heaven. That's Lucifer. I will exalt my throne upon the stars of God. So apparently God had given him some kind of throne. I will also sit on the mount of congregation on the farthest side, farthest side of the north. I will, fourth time, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. Fifth time, I will be like the most high God. Now, he had authority, apparently. He had leadership, apparently. God had given him some authority, had given him some leadership. But he said, I'm not satisfied with that. I want to be like God. I want to be equal to God. I'm not satisfied with what God has given me. I want to be equal to him. I want to be on the same level with him. I don't want to look up to God. I want to be on the same level. He said, I will be like the most high God. Now notice what God said. You shall be brought down to shore to the lowest depths of the pit. Notice how pride brings people down cuts people down, throws people down. No matter how lofty they are, pride will throw you down, pride will cut you down. Now, listen at this. Listen at this. Pride was the first origin was the first sin. It was the original sin. It was the sin committed by Lucifer. There was no sin in the universe. Well, the earth hadn't been created yet, but there was no sin in the universe until Lucifer gave over to a proud heart. He gave over to pride. Why does God hate it? Number two, because pride corrupted and destroyed God's perfect creation. Think about it. God created the earth perfect. 
There was no sin, and he planted this man, Adam, and Eve in this beautiful, perfect environment, and it was pride that corrupted and destroyed God's perfect creation. The earth was perfect. It's nothing like it is today. We live in a fallen planet. It's a fallen environment. It's a cursed environment. It's nothing the way God created it. Sometimes people get angry at God by things that are happening in the earth, but this earth is nothing like the way God intended for it to be. And pride was the root of destroying God's perfect environment. Thirdly, I believe that God hates pride because pride marred humanity. It marred, corrupted humanity. Man was God's prized creation. And pride came in. When God instructed Adam and ultimately instructed Eve of every tree you may freely eat, but not of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, when Eve took that fruit and gave it to her husband, and they both ate, they went against God's plan for their lives. They went against God's order. That's pride. That was pride. And that pride marred humanity. There was no sin nature. There was no sin in man. There was, there was no, no, uh, none of that was in man. But it marred man. It caused man to be degraded. It, it caused man to lose his kingship, his lordship over this planet, and God hates it. But finally, I believe God hates pride because pride, it is, is a manifestation of Satan's nature. It is a manifestation. Whenever we operate, you and I, anyone else operating pride, we're manifesting Satan's nature. And it will always lead to a fall. It will always lead to failure. There's an interesting text I want to give you before we get some definitions. And when we look at these definitions, I want you to be evaluating yourself. I want you to evaluate yourself because we got we to gotta make this practical. But there's a, a scripture that's a little bit different than Uzziah's situation. The Bible says that when he became strong or experienced or he had enjoyed results, pride led to his downfall. That's one side. It, there is a temptation when you've enjoyed some level of success. It can be success in relationships. It can be success in your career. It can be success in ministry. It can be success in business. It can be success across the board. It's something about when you enjoy, have experience like Uzziah, 
success or fame or prosperity, you have to monitor yourself. You have to evaluate. You have to constantly evaluate yourself because the temptation, because Satan understands it. He really was at the top of the game when it comes to the angelic host. He was really at the top. So he understands the nature of pride. He is a creature of pride. He understands how it works. And he understands that when you enjoy a level of success, any level of success, on whatever level, you have to guard yourself against pride. But there's another side to it. And listen what 1 Timothy 3.6 says. In the very first verse, it talks about if a man desire the office of a bishop. We can use that in a general sense, and we can use it in a specific sense, but I like to use it in a general sense. If a man desire leadership, if he desire leadership, and then it goes through a list of things So you can put the pastor in there. You can put the bishop in there. You can put whoever you want in there. But I'm using it in a general sense. If you desire the office of a bishop, there are certain qualifications that a leader should have. And then it says he must not, verse 6, 1 Timothy 3, 6, he must not be a recent convert. The King James Version say a novice a recent convert or a new believer, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. Now notice it it connects that conceit, that pride, to falling into the judgment of the devil, and we know the devil was cast out of heaven. He lost his leadership. He failed. We said the devil failed. Well, this is a different side because it says don't put a leader, a novice, a new believer, or a new Christian in a position of leadership because they can become proud through their inexperience and fall into the judgment of the devil. So that's a whole different side. Sometimes people experience leadership too early. In other words, we put them in a position before they're ready, before they're pride, before they're they're prepared for leadership. And a new believer, a person that's not prepared, will, will mess it up and fall through their pride because they start operating like a person who who understand everything and know everything. I remember uh, I almost got married at 19. Uh, and it would have been one of the worst mistakes that I would have made, not because of the young lady that I was going to marry, but because of who I was at that age. I was immature. I, I was uh, didn't own anything, didn't have anything. And I wrote my parents a letter, and I told them I, in the letter, I said, well, you know, I'm planning on getting married. Just want to let y'all know I'm getting married because a man has to do what a man got to do. That's what I said to my mama. I'm 19. I don't have anything to own anything, um, you know, but a man got to do what a man got to do 
that was my pride talking. And so sometimes you look at, at young people, the, 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 the beauty of youth is the energy and, the, and the, the openness to creativity. There's a beauty in youth. There's a beauty in youth. But many times young people don't have the experience they have the position, but they don't always have the experience. And sometimes they don't listen to others who have the experience. And the Bible says that Uzziah, he submitted to Zechariah, who was a spiritual counselor, a spiritual advice. He was submitted to a leader. Sometimes young people don't submit to others who have more experience. Grabbing the experience, they think just because they have the position, then everything is all right. No, you should always be trying to get wisdom and understanding from those who walk through some things. Now, let's talk about it the rest of the way. Let's talk about what is pride. Let's talk about it. And, and, and I'm gonna give you several definitions I'll look quickly at the positive side, but we're concentrating on the negative side of pride. The, the positive side is a proper self-esteem. That, that's, that's good to have a proper sense of self-esteem, a satisfaction in a job well done. I'm proud of what I did. I'm proud I did. You know, the, there's nothing wrong with that, knowing you did your best. Uh, gratefulness for all God has given you. That's the positive side. Sometimes I'll tell people this, I'm so proud of you. That's what my dad said to me. I'm proud of you, sweetheart. I'm proud of you. Well, I tell people that all the time. That's the positive side. I'm proud of who you are. I'm proud of, of your commitment. I'm proud of your dedication. I'm proud of what you're doing. That's a positive side. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with telling a person I'm proud of you. That's the positive side. But that's not what I'm dealing with. I'm not dealing with that. Let's look at the negative side. What this series is about is about this negative side. So what is pride? I'm going to give you some definitions. Arrogance. Pride is arrogance. It's an inflated opinion of one's importance. An inflated opinion of one's importance. That's arrogance. Number two, pride uh, is a stiff neck attitude that will not bow or give in to God or submit to others. It's a stiff neck attitude that won't bow, won't submit to God, and won't submit to others, won't submit to delegated authority. Stiff neck attitude. Pride is haughtiness. Having or showing an attitude of superiority and contempt for people perceived to be inferior. This is important. Haughtiness, having or showing an attitude of superiority. There are some people who just believe that they're superior to other people or contempt for people that they perceive to be inferior, people that are beneath them, 
do you feel that there are certain people that are beneath you? That's pride. Pride is a false belief that we have arrived, a false belief that we have arrived. And if we have arrived, there's little need to learn. And I see people all the time, you know, I see Christians who've been saved a while. They don't want to hear certain things. They don't want to hear that. They've, they've arrived. I think I'm just as hungry today as I was when I got saved 40-some years ago. When you get to the point where you feel that there's nothing else to learn, and I don't care what field you're in, if you, when you get to the point where you feel that there's nothing else to learn, that you have arrived, then you operate in pride. Pride is boasting. Excessive and exaggerated speech about one's achievement, possessions, or abilities. False belief that we've arrived, but boasting is an excessive, exaggerated speech about one's achievement. You're always talking about what you've done. I've done this, I've done this, I've done that. Your possessions, I got this, I got this, and you're always talking about it, always talking about it. Every time you get around somebody, you're talking about what you've achieved, what your possessions, what your abilities are. In other words, that's boasting. That's a part of pride. There's nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with saying that I've accomplished this. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the person who just get on your nerve because they're always talking about themselves, always talking about, I've achieved this, I have this, I've blessed this, I've done this, I've gone. It's just obsessive. It's excessive boasting. Vanity, excessive admiration of one's own appearance. Nothing wrong with loving yourself. Nothing wrong with praising God for how he's blessed you. But when a person is excessive in terms of their admiration of how they look, I mean, they, they're just excessive about how they look. You know, I got this and God blessed me with this, you know, and all this. It's an excessive admiration of your appearance. Now, there's nothing wrong with want to look nice and you should want to look nice because I want to look nice and I want to look neat and I want to look together. I want to have it together. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you just have an excessive admiration of maybe your hair or your complexion or your waistline or your butt or your chest or your muscles and an excessive admiration of one's appearance. Pride is selfish ambition, concerned primarily with one's own interests, your benefit, your welfare, regardless of how it affects others. Regardless of how it affects us, you are concerned about you, your welfare, your benefit, and all that, regardless to others. A spirit of independence. Pride is a spirit of independence, a belief that one does not need others to succeed. I don't need anybody. I stand on my own two feet. I don't need anybody. That's pride. Because when you look at the scripture, the scripture 
And 1 Corinthians 12 talked about the interdependence of the body, how the hand cannot say to the head and the feet cannot say to the hands and all this, I don't need you. We're connected, many members, but one body, a spirit of independence, a belief that one does not need others to succeed is rooted in pride. Disobedient spirit, when you choose your own way and your own plan over God's. God wants this. God has this plan. You say, I'm not going that way. I don't want to go that way. I'm going to do my own thing. That's pride. Now, I gave you all these definitions, all these definitions. What do you think? Where are you? Do you have any areas of pride that you need to deal with? Is repentance needed at this time? And you can send me any comments that you have at this time. You can send me any questions that you have. In fact, you can even disagree. If I say something, you want to challenge it, I got my iPad there. You can send me in. Now, I want to take these definitions, because we got these definitions, and I want to give you a test. It's an open book test. Because when this lesson is over, we want to know where we stand presently, and then we want to have a grid whereby we can evaluate ourselves. We want to be able to evaluate ourselves. We, you know, the thing about pride, and, and, and I'll, I'll give you, uh, I was going to give you a closing statement, but I'll give it now, and then I'm going to give you a test. Pride is an insidious an insidious spiritual cancer. It grows in a gradual, subtle way, but with harmful and even deadly effects. Pride lies. Pride deceives. Pride tells us we're better than we are and we're better than others. Pride tells us we have a right to be bitter and not forgive. Pride tells us we deserve to be happy even if others are hurt by our decisions. We have a right to be happy. We have, I have a right to be happy even if it means going around with somebody else's husband, going around with somebody else's wife. I have a right to be happy. Pride is an insidious spiritual cancer. Insidious means it's subtle, like some forms of cancer. You don't know you got it until you got the diagnosis. It's insidious. It's a spiritual cancer. It grows. And then it knocks you out. And then when it knocks you out of marriage, knocks you out of your career, knocks you out of ministry, knocks you out of relationships, when it knocks you out, it will try to keep you down. It'll get you fired on your job and then it'll try to keep you down. It's an insidious spiritual cancer. So let's make it practical. I'm going to give you a test the rest of the way. I, I want you to evaluate yourself. You ready? Are you ready to take the test? Are you ready to take the test?
and it's a pass or fail test. You're ready to take it. I'm going to give you a test. We're going to take these definitions and everything that we said, and let's make it practical. Here's the test. The true explanation, pride is the true explanation usually of why, number one, we choose not to forgive and hold a grudge. Pride is the true explanation of why we choose not to forgive and to hold a grudge. Grade that. That's, that's number one. I want you to grade it. Have you chosen not to forgive someone? Are you holding a grudge against someone? Now grade your paper. Number two, pride is the true explanation of why we won't admit mistakes. It is the true explanation of why we won't admit mistakes. Do you struggle admitting mistakes? I remember my mother, my mother was funny. My mother thought I was the best thing that happened, like they say, since life bread. She was always bragging on me. I mean, she, that, that woman loved me. But she had her weaknesses too. And one of her weaknesses was she would accuse you of things. And then when she found out she was wrong, she never came back and said, I miss it. Because, see, I was raised an only child. I got brothers and sisters, but I was raised an only child. And there were times when my mother would misplace things around the house. And then she would come to me and ask me uh, about the thing that she had misplaced. And I said, well, I, I don't know. I, I don't know where it is. And then she'd throw this on me. She'd throw this on me. She said, well, now, Michael, your dad is not here. So I know he, he doesn't have it. And I don't have it. See, it's only three of us. So, see, my mind goes, so I must have it. So what she was saying is, if your dad is at work, he doesn't have it. I don't have it. So some, so you got it. And she would kind of accuse you of having something that you didn't have. And, and then she'd find it. Then she'd find it. She'd have put it somewhere. She'd have forgot it. And then she'd find it. And, and, and then she'd just do something nice for you. She'd just kind of do something nice for you. She, a lot of times well, she wouldn't even tell you she had found it. She'd do something nice to, for you. But she wouldn't just say, listen, Mike. I missed it like I was wrong. And, and, and let me ask you something. Husband, wife, parent, whoever you are listening to this right now, whoever you are, boss, supervisor, whoever you are, preacher, whoever you are, coach, whoever you are, do you struggle saying, I made a mistake. It was my mistake. I missed it. It was my mistake. Pride is usually the true explanation why we won't admit mistakes. Great, your paper. How did you do on that? How did you do on that? You're going to score your own paper. How did you do? Number three, 
pride is the true explanation of why, number three, we won't listen to others' feedback, input, or ideas. It is the true explanation of why we won't listen to others' feedback, others' input, or ideas. Grade yourself. Do, do you struggle listening to other feedback? I'm talking to parents now. Do you ever listen to your children? Do you ever listen to your teenagers? Talk to preachers now. Do you ever listen to members? Do you ever listen to feedback? Talking to leaders now. You lead something. Do you ever listen to the people that follow you? Do you listen to their feedback? Do you listen to their ideas? Do you listen to their input? Pride is the true explanation why we won't listen to others' feedback. Grade yourself. How are you doing? How are you doing on this test? Number four, pride is the true explanation why we won't be seen with certain people. We just won't be seen with certain people. We won't be seen with certain people. Is there certain people? Now, I'm not talking about hanging out with drug dealers, and I'm not talking about, you know, hanging out with people that's stealing. I'm not talking about that. But is there certain people you just don't want to be seen with because they're beneath you? You know, you just, you're in another place. You know, you you know, it could be family members. You, you know, you, you live behind the gate. You, 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 you in a gated community. And there's certain people that you don't want to be seen with anymore. You just, you know, you don't want to be seen with them. Great your paper. How are you doing? Number five. Pride is the true explanation of why we're jealous and bothered by other success. We're jealous, and it bothers us about other success. And usually, pride and jealousy go hand in hand. There's some pride issues. Great, your paper. Number six, pride is the true explanation of why we're so competitive and have to do or be better than others. We just have to do, be better than others. Now, I know uh, my family members say, you know, whenever we play Jim Rummy, I always be talking about I'm going to win and, and all that. So I know they're going to take this and they're going to throw this at me because I always say that I'm going to win and I'm going to always do that. Well, yeah, okay. I accept it if you want to throw it at me. But I'm talking about, there are people that are so competitive that they get angry. They are literally angry. They slam the table. You know, they get mad at people. They don't want to they don't want to play anymore. They just get mad and angry. That competitive spirit is usually related to pride. Number 7. Pride is the true explanation of why we feel qualified to judge other Christian spirituality. We feel qualified to judge other Christian spirituality. Or is that you? Do you feel qualified? And, and you know, this, this hit home with me. Early in my marriage, I thought I was more spiritual than my wife. And we documented and talked about all our issues early in our marriage. 
and the fact that we have a great marriage now. But early in my marriage, I really struggled with pride because I thought I was really spiritual and I didn't think she was as spiritual. And when, when you feel more spiritual than another person, it comes off. Even if you don't say it, it just comes off. And, and I was pushy and I wanted her to do certain things and I wanted her to do this and I was trying to be the Holy Spirit in her life. And she's always telling me, you're looking down on me and, and all that. Well, I was dealing with pride. The true explanation of why we feel qualified to judge other Christians' level of spirituality. And I see Christians do that all the time. I know I'm not the only one. Sometimes Christians do that. They come into a church where they've been taught the word and they're so excited about my pastor and I've been taught the word. And now all of a sudden we become a judge at other folk. Well, they don't have this. They're not being taught, you know, and all this. And now all of a sudden we become a judge of other people's spirituality and they're beneath us. Them saints are beneath us because they're not taught what we're taught. See, pride is an insidious spiritual cancer. Number eight, pride is the true explanation of why we quit serving when people don't recognize us. We quit. They didn't call my name. I did all that work. Shoot, I was I was down there more than the rest of them. I tell you what, I'm not doing anything else for that church. I ain't doing nothing else for them people down there. I'm through with that. I ain't serving nothing. Don't be asking me about serving. Don't be asking me. You see, pride is really the true explanation of why we quit serving when people don't recognize us. Because in reality, we should be serving for God to recognize us. But we are quit. We're through with it. We have nothing else to do. They put that program together and did not call my name. I'm not serving on that usher board anymore. I'm not doing this ever again. Never. Don't call my name. Don't call. Don't call my phone number. Don't call because I put all that work in and you didn't recognize me. And see, that's there's pride there because it's about me. It's really not about serving the law. It's not when you quit because somebody recognized you. It has a lot to do with who you are serving. Now, number nine, pride is the true explanation of why we have cut certain people off and refuse to even speak to them. We do with you. We cut them off. We're not going to even speak. They're Christians right now. Maybe some of you that's listened to me, you've cut certain people off. You decided you're never going to speak to them again. You see them in the mall, you see them, and you go another direction because you're never going to speak to them again. You never, you're through with them. You've cut them off. Pride is usually at the root of that. Number 10, pride is a true explanation of why we struggle maintaining a consistent prayer life. We struggle. Show me a person who struggled praying. Man, I wish I could get the prayer, you know. I'm just so busy. I'm trying to pray, but I really struggle praying. No, really, the, 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 the true explanation of why you struggle having a consistent prayer life is pride. Pride is at the root of prayerlessness because pride says, whether it's conscious or unconscious, 
I can handle life. I can handle this. I can deal with this. And I know many people don't say it consciously, but unconsciously, if you're not spending time praying, you don't have a consistent prayer life, it's because you are trying to handle it. You can handle it because if you thought you could, you'd be talking to God. You'd be spending time with God. Number 11. Pride. Well, let me ask you something. Let me stop. Let me stop here. How you doing on this? How you doing on this? You, you can send me. Let me know how you're doing. Send me a uh, send me a, a remark here. Let me know what's going on here. I'm, I'm talking to you. <laughs> Number eleven. Pride is the true explanation of why we struggle committing anything. We just won't commit. We just don't commit. Pride is usually, you know, I'm not going to get hurt again. I'm not going to connect to that. I'm not going to get in that, that deep in that relationship. Usually pride. Number 12, pride is the true explanation of why we don't think we need counseling. And I, I, I have seen this over the years, you know, and Unfortunately, many times it's the husband and it's the man who doesn't think he needs counseling. And I've had many occasions where men have told their wife, you go get counseling because I don't need counseling. You need counseling. Any person who doesn't want counsel when you're having problems and if your spouse is having problems, you got problems because marriage is a team sport. It's not a solo thing. You're not single. So any man, woman, boy, girl who does not want counsel, don't feel like they need counseling, is operating in pride. Number 13. Pride is the true explanation of why we focus more on our hurt rather than on how God's words say we should respond. When hurt comes or somebody disappoints us, God tells us how to respond. We're supposed to forgive. When we focus more on our hurt than on how God tells us to respond, it is symptomatic of pride. Number 14, pride is the true explanation of why we try to do things that we are not called and gifted to do. And you see that all through the body of Christ. You see Christians trying to do things that they are not called to do or gifted to do. Number 15, and my last one, you said, Lord, that was a long test. Oh, God. How you doing? How you grading on this? Number 15, pride it's the true explanation of why we won't delegate and we, or we struggle delegating as leaders. It's leaders who struggle with delegating, who won't delegate, who try to do everything themselves, come up with every idea, try to work it out themselves, usually they feel that if it's going to be done, if it's going to be done well, I have to do it. I can do it better. I know what I want. They won't do what I need them to do. That's a leader that's operating in pride. Now, that was a serious test. So how did you do? What we wanted to, we wanted to get a handle on this thing.
So as we walk out this Christian journey, we can constantly monitor ourselves and and we want to judge ourselves so that we don't be judged. We want to repent when we see it show up, resist it when we see it show up. So this week, we were just talking about what it is. Wanted to give you a test. Next week, we're going to talk about the different kinds of pride. And we're going to talk about pride in leadership. We're going to talk about pride in relationships. And we're going to talk about pride in the body of Christ. Now, I got I got a few comments and a few questions. Oh, you've been you you've been listening. Okay. Comment. I'm always open to feedback and depend on the Holy Spirit to give discernment and wisdom on the information. That's great. Great. I'm glad that you are open. And uh uh and I pray that you're saying that you're open to other people feedback. Uh, that's good. Question. Do you believe pride could come from a person's upbringing? Yes, I do believe that. And I think that's a great question. I think it, it can come in. Uh, there are two ways that I'm thinking about based on this question. Sometimes as parents, we teach our kids, you stand on your own two feet. You don't need anybody to help you. You can be successful. And then religious parents, just trust God. Just trust God. You don't need anybody else to believe in you. You don't need anybody else. And sometimes it's an imbalance because no one can be successful alone by themselves. So sometimes we're actually nurturing pride. Parents sometimes nurturing pride. Sometimes it it can be nurtured through a pastor. A pastor's pride can spill over into the people. Uh, also, our culture, independence. We celebrate Independence Day. So we, we got the spirit of independence. Stand on your own two feet. So, yes, that's a great question. Uh, pride can come from a person's upbringing comment, pride seems to come and go in and out of my life. I have to keep renewing my mind and God's grace. That's a powerful comment because to be honest with you, if I have to keep evaluating myself too, because Satan's, that's one of Satan's chief weapons, pride. He'll bring it in and out. He'll try to bring it in and out. And if you're not careful, you'll be operating in pride in your relationships and not even know it. And you're not even, you wouldn't call it pride. You you just, you know, I just don't want to talk to you for a while. So you got couples, they're not speaking to each other and parent uh, and, and uh, married couples, they don't talk to each other for a while. I don't want to talk to you right now. I, I talk to you when I feel better about it. And so there's so much pride in, in our relationships. So that's a good comment comment, my pride comes from not waiting on God's word to manifest in my life. So I lose focus. That's good. I'm glad you recognize that. I'm glad you recognize that. This person said, my pride comes from not waiting on God. And and that's what Saul did. God gave some instruction to King Saul and King Saul, God was taking too long. You know, sometimes people do that. They Sometimes people say, listen, I've been praying long enough. I'm going to get married. I tell you what, I'm going to get married. And then sometimes people say, I want me a child. 
I've been waiting too long, so I, I got to get on and get me a baby. So sometimes it is related to that. Here's a question. Is pride an element of a narcissistic personality? Yes, it's, I think a narcissistic personality, which is self-centeredness and about you and your, it's always connected to pride. You show me a narcissistic person, I'll show you a very proud person. Yes. Question. Prayerlessness is a form of pride because it falls under the category of independence. And that, that's absolutely right. My question is, what if you have prayed and believe you have heard from God, but realize you miss God? Does that fall under pride? Not necessarily. If you pray, believe you heard God, but you realize that you miss God, I don't think that's pride. I think it would be pride to acknowledge that you miss God because I'll, I'll be honest with you. There have been times when I prayed, believe I heard God, and I missed it too. I missed it too. But God didn't say, well, you proud thing. I'm going to resist you. No, 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 no. Because I was willing to acknowledge it. If you're willing to acknowledge it, willing to change to the very best, sometimes he has to help you because you have made a, 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 a big mistake. He, have to, he has to help you. But God doesn't see that as pride. Making mistakes is not necessarily pride. Making a mistake is a mistake. If you won't acknowledge it, now you get open to pride. Question, how do you deal with prideful leaders if you honor their leadership? You have to pray for them. And that's a great question. How do you deal with prideful leaders? We can be prideful. We can be prideful. And when you honor prideful leader, you have to be praying for that leader. You have to uh, ask God to give you wisdom about that. And then you have to decide whether you're going to stay there. And sometimes God will tell you to pray and stay. And sometimes God will tell you to leave. But leaders can be proudful. I wouldn't just take off. Initially, I'll spend some time waiting on God, praying to find out what God wants you to do. But you still should be praying about that leader, that their eyes be open, that that they will see it in 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 their own in, in their hearts. Uh, what point would you say you're protecting your peace from negativity, negative people versus being prideful by removing yourself from a toxic relationship? Some folk object toxic. That's a great question. Uh, I think, that, and that's a power, that's a wonderful question. Some people are toxic. You should remove yourself from them. But I think sometimes we go to the extreme. We don't have want to have anything to do with them. We just cut them off. And I think you can remove yourself to a distance, disconnect, but I think you can still associate from time to time. I think you could still pray. I, th I still think you can connect in certain settings. Uh, but sometimes we go from peace and protecting ourselves to just cutting people off altogether because people can change. I think that's a, a one. These are great questions. Pastor, will you please have this list posted somewhere where we can have access to it? Yeah, I'll do that. I'll have the list posted. Since we can see how God does not like pride and how wrong and dangerous pride is, how can we stay balanced and, 
and out of pride from life, success, and ministry business. Now, culturally, as blacks that have been poor for a long time, finally gain success, like rappers, NBA, NFL players, seem like we tend to fall into boasting from the success. How do we break the pride after the money and the success? That's a good one. That's a good question. Here's what I think. I think prayer is critical to keeping us out of pride. I think a consistent prayer life, a consistent life of thankfulness and gratitude will keep you out. Now, I'm going to get into it later in my third lesson, but remember the scripture says in Deuteronomy 8.18 that the Lord gives you the power to get well. So any success, anybody, NBA player, NFL player, any rapper, any success, remember, any level of success, God gives us the power so we can have a platform to represent him. But a rapper can have a consistent prayer life, an NFL player, NBA player, or any successful player. You've got to stay connected to God. Because if you don't stay connected to God by being submitted to some pastor, submitted to some church, a committed prayer time, committed to the word, you're going to fall in pride. I mean, if you disconnect it, you're going to fall. So prayer is very important. These are just outstanding questions. I'm so thankful that you've taught this lesson. I know someone that was in an abusive relationship and the abuser was with sermons and other things to make the person feel guilty. Yeah. And, and whenever a person takes a sermon, whenever a person takes a sermon to make people feel guilty, that's a person operating in pride because that's not why the sermons come to to manipulate people to do something that we think they should do. Comment. Thank you, Pastor Mike. This wonderful lesson on pride. I found myself in the word. That's great. Now, I, these were outstanding questions, outstanding comments. And I thank you. Now, this just one. We got lesson two. We're going to talk about different kinds of pride. We're going to talk about leadership, pride and leadership. We're going to talk about pride and relationships. And we're going to talk about pride in the body of Christ. This, this, this is good. Thank you so very much for we went over a few minutes, but I don't mind it to answer your questions. I'm going to always try to answer your questions. I'm going to try to put this list online somewhere where you can get to it, both the definitions and the tests. I'm going to try to put it online so you can get it. And thank you for joining me today. Love you.